Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Stripped by Sia, your podcast for strippers, sex workers, and all the fancy naked people in between. I am your host, Steph Sia, otherwise known as Kimchi on the strip club stage. I am a stripper, I'm also a former sugar baby, and I'm also a content creator based here in Vancouver, Canada. And I am the host of the show, and I bring this show on every single Sunday for the past couple of years um, to help destigmatize sex work, to provide a better understanding of the work that is is that we do, and also to to validate um, the work that we do as well. Um, just because there's a lot of you know misconceptions, there's myths and stuff about sex work, and I'm just trying to do my little part in trying to again. Be transparent and humanize sex work and its workers. So every single week I bring someone on new and I am really, really, really excited to announce this week's guest. Of course, it's no different than any other week, but this one we're going way across the pond. We're going all the way to Belgium. And before, before I announce who I'm bringing on to the show today, I just quickly wanted to shout out some of our Patreon subscribers. So big shout out going out to Arup Sarkar, Justin Erickson, Jay Sunsern, and Paris Frank uh, for being on the top tier uh, to help support the show. There are other people that are on the level one and level two tiers as well that are also big, big helps to the show. But um, yeah, it's just a way to help support in terms of like you know, giving me your feedback, also just getting in touch and just getting sneak peek views on video content or just trying to help me decide who I should be um, interviewing and what topics we want to be interviewing on and just basically what you're interested in. So if you are interested in that, feel free to peep the Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash But for now, we're going back to this week's guest and who am I am very, very excited to finally meet. Um, it has taken a bit of coordination because this person is located all the way in Belgium with a nine hour difference. So I am very excited to bring Quentin Daltour onto the show from the organization in Belgium called Espace P, which is a sex worker uh, friendly based organization that he will go into speaking about. And we are going to be talking about all about the decriminalization model that is brand new to Belgium. It's the first ever European country to decriminalize sex work. Um, and this decision was made back in March, which is when I reached out to Quentin. So it's it's taken a lot of time, but we're finally here. Uh, Quentin, are you there? Hello, Steph. I'm very, very humbled to speak with you. Thanks for having me. And through me, thanks for... Uh, having all the sex workers that uh, uh, we are meeting and that are very honored to, you know, um, be able to communicate with well with your uh, wonderful project. Yes, <laughs> it's truly an honor, honestly. And I would not have been able to connect with you if it weren't for the sex workers that are on Twitter that I was connected with that connected me with other sex workers that are Belgian-based. And they were like, you need to reach out to SBSP. They're a great organization, which led me to you. <laughs> this is um, the result of the uh, work we are doing on the field. And, uh, of course, we are known by 
the sex worker because we are a very, very, very small country. Uh, Belgium is 11 million uh, um, people. And uh, of course, it is, it is a very complex country. We finally managed to change the law. And well, this is a small step, but this is a very high symbol for us and maybe for the rest of Europe. And I'm sure we're going to speak about this. Oh, yes, we are going to be speaking about it all today. It's a pretty big topic. It's also a very, very exciting topic. But as you mentioned, it is just one small step in to achieving, I don't know, equality, um, you know, just having our profession validated. Um, it, it's a lot. And it's a huge landslide. It's, it's so prominent because even us here in Canada, uh, we are also always constantly looking to other countries where the decrim model is available. And to be frank, there aren't a lot and there aren't a lot of countries that we can look as like look up to in terms of like being a role model. So um, I know we're definitely going to be diving real deep into that topic, but just to give the audience a bit of background, um, I'd love to hear more about SPASB as an organization and of course hear about yourself as well. Okay, SPASP is a non-profit making organization, non-governmental ex- uh, uh, organization, and we were born in 1985. This is during the very beginning of um, AIDS program. You have to understand that uh, Belgium was uh, very much looking abroad to see how uh, they were fighting against uh, this unknown illness that AIDS was. And uh, they were trying to find uh, energies uh, amongst the organization, the non-profit making organization, to, you know, structurate, understand this, to, to model a system uh, to fight against AIDS. And... Of course, the first people who were targeted by this um, by this system were gay people and probably drug injectors. And you know, AIDS was very much unknown, so we were developing programs to make some prevention. Does that is that word correct? Prevention uh, against AIDS. And uh, some energies ended up in um, making organizations. And these organizations were targeting some specific uh, audience or specific public. uh, And they were discovering the illness while uh, fighting against it. And one day... um, some people were connecting together to share experience and to share knowledge. And they were thinking that maybe we are too much focusing on our public and we are uh, maybe forgetting something else or somebody else. And uh, they thought, oh my God, there is also this world of sex work that we are not thinking about and maybe there is some kind of public health concern that we are 
completely forgetting. And so people organized a survey. This is really the foundating survey for SPASP. Uh, they, they organized a survey amongst the sex workers to know what they knew about AIDS, what they were doing, the practices, um, so what eventually was exposing them to AIDS, and they wanted to know also what they were objectively making to protect themselves. And this is a survey that helped them, that led them to uh, contact 500 prostitutes, sex workers in Belgium, which is a huge amount uh, of sex worker, especially for that moment uh, in Belgium. And so they realized that sex workers were very aware of uh, um, AIDS, very aware, and there was a high consciousness <laughs> Consciousness, you got it. <laughs> the public health concern connected to AIDS, and this this is the reason why we existed. Even though this very high amount of knowledge, there were practices that were not connected to this uh, knowledge. This means people were taking risks. Uh, sex workers were taking risks. And this is the, the reason why some uh, doctors and some uh, um, uh, people from the medical world uh, decided to create Espaspe. Espaspe was named at the very beginning from the worst name you could imagine, PSP, Prevention, Prevention Sida Prostitution, which means Prevention AIDS Prostitution, which is the most stigmatizing word you could imagine. So that was the first title. Nobody wants to go in a house where it is written <laughs> prevention, AIDS, prostitution, because it is too much stigma uh, connected to it. And well, this is, that was our first error, but we learned from that error. Slowly, uh, we discovered that you cannot cont uh, be happy with just giving the good uh, uh, practices to say the, what you should do. You have to understand why sex workers sometimes are taking risks. And this is slowly by, uh, little by little, uh, we discovered that we could not be only an information program. We have to go right. deeper, deeper in the, the mechanisms. And we have to understand why the society uh, is leading a whole population, a whole portion of people who are uh, doing this work uh, to take risks. And so we discovered that we, we had to listen more. We had... We, of course, th this sounds uh, very obvious now, but at the very beginning, everybody thought if you uh, say to everybody how to avoid AIDS, they will avoid AIDS. And 
Of course, this is not uh, exactly the, the, like this. Uh, it doesn't happen necessarily like this. And of course, right. we discovered that age was a very low uh, part of the problem and more uh, uh, was to think about stigma, about uh, what soci- how society considers sex workers and all the yes. problems sex workers uh, meet in the society. And this happens in every field of the life uh, of the life of a sex worker from the morning when they get up to the to the other morning <laughs> when they go to sleep <laughs> at every step when you go and drop your children in the school you are a sex worker and there is a problem when you pay your taxes you are a sex worker and you have a problem and uh, you have a friends, you are a sex worker, and it is a problem. You are a person in the society, you are uh, a citizen, you are a sex worker, and it is a problem. And we discovered that we had to open our action, our program to all these fields. And, and this is why we became Espace which is Espace means space. P is P and three little dots. It is connected to a book from Jean-Paul Sartre, an essentialist philosopher, who wrote the respectuous whore, whore meaning prostitute, and it was called la, la paix, P three little dots, respectuous. And there is a lot in this book about the stigma of the prostitute and, of course, of the sex worker. And this is why we we, we open to this name and after two or three years, Prevention Sida Prostitution, Prevention AIDS Prostitution, renamed to Espace P. This is how we began. There we go. There, there's so much history here in this in the story of Espace P and it was also like quite a different time back then too in the 80s and especially dealing with the AIDS mm-hmm. uh pandemic too like that was a huge thing in the 80s too where um the LGBTQ community were negatively disproportionately looked at as being the creator of AIDS and the spreader of AIDS too but this morphed into something bigger, it sounds like. And it sounded like you really identified, hey, there are other people being marginalized here, those being sex workers and prostitutes. So it's really, yeah, yeah, of course, right? And it's it's really nice to see that you created this space for them and to listen to them. Yes, and um, we discovered also all the facets of the... The aspects of sex work, this was, there's been an evolution for Espace which was connected to the evolution of sex work in Belgium. And you, you probably know that Belgium is somehow like Netherlands, like Amsterdam, where you can see uh, window prostitution, window sex work, but there is also escorts, there is also street prostitution, uh, there is also 
in uh, uh, sex work, in apartments. There is. We discovered our public. We discovered uh, where to extend our action. Just because we were there, and just because we were very open to the reality of sex work. At the moment, I must confess uh, that the word sex work was absolutely not existing in French. This is coming from uh, USA, and it happened in our vocabulary at the beginning of two uh, uh, of the two hundred uh, and uh, and so on, and uh, so, sorry, two thousand and so on. Uh, so the very beginning, we were speaking of prostitute persons. We were, you know, building the, uh, a concept that, that we didn't want to be too much, well, at all, uh, that we didn't want at all to be uh, stigmatizing. But right. there was not enough uh, connection with the rest of the world. There was no internet at the beginning. Uh, at the beginning no. and. We, we didn't know all the progress that was happening in other countries. And so we were building concept trying. Uh, and uh, even the word sex workers is rather recent for, for us. Uh, we were speaking of prostitute person, but in the idea of prostitute person, it may sound like the person is prostituted by someone else. And it doesn't leave a room for people, um, uh, boys or girls, men or women, who are willing, who decide to go into sex work. So we had to build uh, the concept uh, according to the reality that we were meeting. And we have to be humble uh, about this because we are not sex workers. And we never pretended uh, that we were bringing the speech of sex workers to the society. We were bringing the speech of social or medical workers to the society, connected to the world of sex workers. But we, it is very clear for everybody that Espace is an organization of medical and uh, social and psychological workers doing field work. Does that make sense in English? We, we, we don't have a desk where we receive, uh, where we are expecting that uh, sex workers are coming. No, we are going where the sex workers are. We are uh, following the same exact a path that, uh, like the Johns, like the customer, like the client's customer. I don't know the name. Yes. The Johns. Yeah. And so this is one of our speciality or characteristic is that we go to see them. Okay. Yeah. So it's almost like a community outreach and you're going to them as opposed to them it being like a, a, a space, I guess, like not a physical space that they would go into, it's like you coming to yes. them. Yes, of course, we have, there is a place where they can come and it's open every day. And uh, of course, things happen there. Of course, we are uh, in seven cities of Belgium. We are opening the space. Espace is opened, of course, to 
the sex workers, but this is very, it's absolutely not our best way to meet the sex workers. Uh, it's, it's where, of course, more I intensive social work is done, of course, because uh, sometimes it's very difficult to look for an apartment or look for another job if, uh, if this is the, uh, what, what the person is looking for or uh, trying to find a lawyer or this is difficult to, to do this from the window where she is or he is working, the apartment where he or she is working. Sometimes it's easier to do, to do this special work, intensive work from our desk. And of course, uh, sometimes uh, this is what we ask, come to the office and we will do uh, we'll do a better work, but if the person, if the the, the the sex worker needs to stay in in the working place, we are doing the work from the working place, of course. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so thank you so much for just providing us some insight in terms of, I guess, how SSP works, the beautiful history that comes along with it and the work that you're doing for sex workers that are Belgium-based. Um, maybe we can quickly go into, because we want to learn a little bit about you, but if you want to quickly, like what, what is your role at SPASP? Oh, the, 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 I have personally two roles. I was uh, first employed as public relations, but public relations means uh, relations uh, to outside yeah. uh, the communication guy. And communication is... Of course, bringing our communication to the politics, to the authorities, to the police, to the other organization, to the other social workers, to the town authorities, to the to the press, to the people in general. This is all yeah, like the society, the general public. This is general public, but also we are aiming to. Um, uh, to, we are focusing on making a communication amongst the sex workers. And I have personally uh, written during the 21st years of my activity in this organization about 70 magazines that were distributed to the sex workers. And Wow. My my real pleasure was to interview sex worker, reflect all the personalities that we meet in the sex work, and this uh, this of course is very interesting to bring outside outside the organization. So, for example, the politics, the the the, the general public knows the reality of sex work. Also, yes. it helps inside the, the, the sex workers community to make a community because, of course, uh, there is a community of sex work that are educated, structurated, that are politicized, that, that are uh, willing to make a movement, but there are also, of course, victims of exploitation, victims of pimping, and it, it, this is the same world from outside, and everybody has to learn from everybody. And this is how you make a social uh, solidarity. And we 
don't wanted to you know inside the 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 sexual community there is also stigmas and there is also oh. you know those migrants that are coming and doing a blow job for much less more than than me i'm pointing them as the cause of something uh, negative these youngs that are who are doing this or this for uh, are ruining the, the job and we needed to uh, we, we wanted to help everybody to understand everybody's reality if this is possible okay. so this magazine wow. our intra sex workers community communication was very important for us and i would say this is the first thing uh, that we can be proud of it is that we are not doing any discrimination we are not stigmatizing migrants gays queers uh, drug addicts we are open Uh, to every reality we are open to every personality and we are offering proposing uh, our services to everybody with without absolutely no limits no limits and so this was my job and this is still my job well sorry this is your question was what am i doing there well that's that's a part of <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like you do a lot. <laughs> you know, this is 20 years of my job, so uh, and I'm not the only one, of course. This uh, I'm just communicating what we are doing. So I'm not uh, a social worker. I'm not uh, into the the real job. I'm just speaking and I'm just uh, making links between people. So uh, I have the good, uh, the the easy job in the in our organization. So. This is a part of my job communication inside and outside this is half my job the other half of my job is I don't know the, the, in French it's coordinator do you understand what yeah. it can mean I'm coordinating uh, our team so we have seven teams uh, in seven um, towns in Belgium yeah. this is a small country but There are, we have towns, and of course, uh, oh, every town is different. And in our town, Liège, we have uh, a team, and uh, there are, of course, doctors, uh, educators, social workers, and uh, psychologists. And my part, half, half my own, my half of this job is making the coordination between i'm going to to go back to 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 some structure of our work we receive sure. money from the government this is the main source of our money and if you want i will explain you why we are not expecting money uh, from charity i will if that, uh, if you feel it's interesting ask me and i will tell you but we are asking money from the government because we think uh, we think that uh, sex work is a society concern so we want that okay. 
the, the state that the, that the authorities give the money for what is a society phenomenon. So mm-hmm. we're not expecting money from charity and we have zero money from, from charity. So there is the money that government gives. There is uh, a team with some competencies, some skills, some skills. Okay. And there is the sex work with needs, expectations, let's make it brutal, sometimes problems. And my goal, my job is to make a line between this. The money given uh, is always given in a, in a bigger program. And you have to say to reassure the governments that give us the money that we are thinking like like they wanted the money to be used for. But I hope this is okay. clear. And, uh, no, and, and of course, uh, we need uh, at the end to help people who need uh, help. And uh, yeah. between this, we have to organize a complete work. And of course, there is... Uh, there need to be uh, a feedback between our work and the reason why the money is given for our work and everybody needs to be happy about what, what we are doing. And of course, this is the money from the taxes. So we also have a responsibility towards the main society to because we are using the money from the taxes. So it has to be used for a good reason with good results, and and it has to to meet the needs. My job in our team is to make a line between these three poles and uh, ensure that uh, mm-hmm. at the end the needs of our public is we are working in the good direction. Right. Yeah, and those needs are met. You have a very large role within the organization, and also. I mean, uh, another reason I got you on the show, too, is because I really wanted to hear your expertise on the decision made in Belgium as well. But before we dive into that bit of conversation, I just want to maybe quickly discuss uh, the the landscape um, in terms of how sex work is operated amongst, I mean, in Europe. So because there are so many countries in Europe, they do things differently. So from my understanding, and this is just really, really brief spark notes version, um, high level stuff that cause we just don't have enough time to go into every single country and what they're doing. Um, but, um, from my understanding, I know that there are certain countries in Europe, like Greece and the Netherlands and Germany, and perhaps this was a model how Belgium was before, but, um, sex work is legalized, which means it's allowed, under specific and highly regulated circumstances. But outside of these parameters, it is criminalized. Um, So I think that is a really, really brief one-liner in terms of like how certain countries operate in Europe. But there's also like, um, like Canada, there's also the Nordic model, which is the selling of sex, which is allowable, but paying for it is not and that is something that you see in like more so like scandinavian and like nordic 
countries. Um, do you have any thoughts about that? Two years ago, <laughs> France voted the same system as the Scandinavian model. So uh, now as a John or as a client, uh, you are uh, criminalized for buying a sex work or job. Yeah, definitely. I'm curious to see um, before we kind of go into Belgium, actually, we can kind of slowly go into Belgium. Like what was the landscape of sex work before this decision in March 2022 happened? What so you want me to like? start with Belgium or with Europe? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. But if you have a comment in terms of how Europe in general operates, we can do that. And then we can kind of we'll go into the specifics when it comes to Belgium. Uh, in Belgium uh, um, before March. But you have to understand also that what happened in, in March uh, is still not uh, in action today because there is a delay between a law, uh, the, between the moment when a law is voted and the moment when, when it is really in application. And we are still not right now uh, in that moment because it has to be published in the official law book and it's still not. So there is usually a delay of three, four months. I don't remember how much, but, but th this is still okay. the future. And uh, uh, of course, we are celebrating this moment, but it is still not applicable in the law. So right now, uh, it's still the the formal law that is uh, in action. You you have to uh, uh, you have to see that well. Belgium is a very well small country, and the history of Belgium is very strange, and it's very much connected to the countries around it. We are not the result of a people's will to make a country, we are the result of others' people's impossibility not to make war. So we are some kind of a war between, Germ between Germany, France and England. Of course, there is a sea between us and England, but this is the reason why Belgium uh, exists. It's to make some kind of buffer between these uh, big uh, military powers. I'm, I'm thinking uh, 18th century, so things are clear. When, when Belgium uh, was created, we had to decide, well, they had to decide which model would be adopted, would be taken, and, well, about prostitution, uh, this is France uh, that made our background. And France was, uh, at this moment, uh, getting out the Second Empire, getting out of Napoleon uh, conquest of Europe. And, of course, you have to understand that uh, at that moment, prostitution in France was half or, well, a big proportion of the state. This is, I don't know if this is palpable from America, but 18th and 19th, 19th century in France, the, the, in this period, the, in, in this time, 
prostitution was very much connected to uh, the bourgeoisie, was very much connected to the state, and there were law to organize prostitution, to provide girls to the bourgeois who needed as a symbolic capital to show uh, the others that they were able to buy girls and and they could afford it and it was really uh, in the heart of the system of the state system of the system of the state and we inherited in our uh, law this culture of prostitution and our first laws about prostitution were a direct copy copy paste from Napoleon code we did not uh, modify b- b- uh, anything and we just wanted to check girls for illnesses uh, we just wanted to uh, make sure that every town would have uh, b- uh, uh, enough amount of prostitutes uh, for the bourgeoisie and so it was uh, in the heart of every town, in the heart of a complete class. The, the bourgeoisie was expecting the system to provide prostitution. And so we were in a, in a system that was what we would call reglementation of prostitution, which means authorities can organize a prostitution. These were the, that was the first century of the law uh, about prostitution in Europe. Then, in the 20th century, there is the Second World War. All the, all the men are, of course, in, uh, uh, in Germany and, uh, and cap- captured by the, by, by, by the uh, German war. And uh, this is the girl, the, the women who are making the, the the country work. And when the war is is finished, finally women uh, are getting the right to vote. 1948. 1948. Before this, okay. our democracy was half a democracy. It was a democracy for men, but not for women. Not for women. And in 1948, women are allowed to vote. And this is well, this is my point of view. I never re- read about this, but this is for me. This is very connected. 48 is also the moment when the law about prostitution in Belgium changes. And in 1948, uh, subscribing to the New York Convention uh, of 48 about uh, abolitionism. Sorry, the abolitionism. (laughs) So uh, in 48, we subscribe to uh, United Nations chart 
uh, on abolitionism. So abolitionism is not abolitionism uh, is not designed to end the prostitution. It's designed to end the law that are organizing prostitution. So it mean it doesn't mean that prostitution is forbidden. It means that the government cannot organize prostitution. And this is maybe on paper on the paper on the concept it might sound like a good idea. Of course who is willing to uh, a state that is uh, providing prostitutes to the bourgeoisie. Nobody, of course. Uh, it is not uh, thinkable that uh, the governments um, organize, I don't know, immigration, so there is enough prostitutes for the bourgeoisie. This is, uh, the, the, we, we could not think about uh, uh, such a thing. But we had 50 years of this system and the reality of this system is if you just say, okay, prostitution is not illegal, but the rest is illegal. For example, uh, make it, uh, advertising for your prostitution is illegal. Any kind of employment means uh, pimping. Making a group of prostitutes is pimping. And the life of the sex worker is in practic practically not possible. And this is uh, what we've been living for about uh, 50 years. It's this system, this abolitionist system that is very hypocritical. You cannot close your eyes uh, on one main fact, sex work is work. It is a work. You Absolutely. cannot make philosophy about is it just an activity? Is it just something they do? It is a work. It has same yes. uh, function in the society for a sex worker to work as a sex worker as it is for a teacher to work as a teacher. It means that you are working for money, of course, but you are working to have a place in the society and to contribute to the society by your taxes and to have an opinion to bring to the society about the way you are a citizen and the way the society needs to take into account your way to be a citizen. And it's very hypocritical uh, to say, okay, sex work is just a way of life. The state has nothing to do with a way of life. Well, it is not a way of life. It is a way of um, work, and this uh, there is maybe there is the same debate in uh, in English about the fact: is it a profession or an activity? And of course, uh, this is very philosophical uh, because 
you know, profession uh, is connected to to a lot of other concepts, and um, this is a, a sterile debate because uh, the people who are not uh, accepting the idea of a job, they're just not accepting the idea of what girls, women are doing with their body. And of course, they are not thinking of the, 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 the big proportion of men doing the same thing. They are just seeing women doing things with their body and society has to control this. And of course, society doesn't have to control this. Right. <laughs> society has to control yeah. what kind of abuse they, they are exposed to. Of course, the society uh, has things to say about this, but not what you or me or whoever is doing with his or her own body. And the law was very much impregnated uh, with these concepts. Even the words of the law were from another time, another right, era. Yeah, like another era. The words, the, even the words. The yeah. people, some uh, people were in a in a court uh, because they did things that nobody understands because the words are not used anymore. But the words uh, are were still in the law. And this changed. This is a very little revolution because, in fact, the law was so old that it could not be implemented in, in the reality. The, the, the police knew that there were crimes being done in a lot of places. They knew that some uh, pimping according to the law were happening, but they allowed it because they knew it was not connected to our days, to the reality of our days. And this is the beginning of the problem, is when the law is uh, appreciated by the police. Why would they change the law because uh, they, they think the society is not connected to the law. Police is supposed to check if the law is respected or not, and the, and the law was not made anymore by the society, it was made by the police, which means when they want, they, they, they don't look at the crime, and they don't want, they look at the crime. And this is... Uh, this is not anymore a democracy. And this is the system in which we are because it's not very, it's not completely changed. Of course, this is the theory. We are still in a democracy and the system is more or less okay in a lot of situations, but in the critical uh, situations, there is no resources in the law to, to make sure that a real justice is done. And so there are a lot of uh, police abuse that are uh, happening, especially with migrants 
especially gay or queer, because the stigma is still there, of course, uh, uh, on the sex activities, uh, whatever they are. The, the change that happened is finally, finally, someone took the risk, a minister took the risk yeah. to be kicked out for a good reason and he went through the, the problem and changed completely the law. If you could see just visually the law about prostitution is just, you know, one paper, one, the one face of a sheet law about uh, prostitution right. in, in the other, in the former system. Well, the system that is still right now, but one sheet of uh, right, right. Uh, paper and half this sheet is modification of this article of this more uh, of this work. It was not uh, comprehensible. Now they erased everything and start from zero, and they they placed the center of the law on consent. Good. Okay. So this is how it's all starting to kind of unfold too. So sorry, just quick, some quick backstory here. So this, um, I guess by the time this episode airs, I really hope that, you know, it will be in effect, but this first took place at the end of March of this year, where the uh, federal justice minister, Vincent Van Quickenborn, was the one who propo- who sent this proposal in. And of course, going through all the hoops and the processes that I'm not familiar with in Belgium, <laughs> in a Belgian context, um, it was approved by a parliament. So this is obviously like a really, really pivotal decision. Um, but I'm sure there were major hoops that you had to get through, what what kind of, um, if there was any pushback before, what kind of hesitancies did society have? Did maybe major politicians have? Um, stuff like that. I'm just curious to hear about that aspect and that perspective. The, the, the major uh, opposition to, uh, to this text uh, we met it uh, during the last 20 years. I think there's been five or six attempts to change the law. Of course, not every time uh, in the good direction, but there's been five or six attempts to change the law. And uh, Belgium is such a, a particular system that uh, it is very difficult to change a complete field at a time because everybody has to be uh, everybody has to agree you have to understand right. that we have nine government in such a small country and it's uh, it is oh, wow. uh, a puzzle to 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 make a very simple decision so it, it it's some kind of miracle that uh, somebody managed to do it, but they, 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 this uh, minister that quick and born managed to do it. But uh, during the, pa- the the last twenty years, of course, we've been lobbying. Does that make sense? We've been lobbying uh, every government that we met 
to improve the law, to change uh, the rules, uh, to make them conscious that they could make the difference, that they could do better for the sex workers, that there were uh, a very uh, large expectancy about this, uh, and not only amongst the, the sex workers, but also in the rest of the society, because, of course, we meet the rest of the society. We, are, we meet the, the, peop- the, 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 the pupils in the schools, the students in the universities. Uh, we meet, well, we are, you know, um, uh, trying to, well, the, to change the mentalities, and uh, we, we are doing this job also to convince the rest of the society that there is things to do. But the system is, well, we thought we, we, we thought that it was nearly impossible to erase everything and start from the beginning with another another system for the for the sex work laws and just wanted uh, during the last 20 years to help change little things and we did this little by little some laws were changed some improvement were uh, validated by the by the law by the government but nothing like uh, like this uh, uh, happened before, and we thought uh, that well, that was uh, how Belgium is, and for us, this is a kind of a revolution. Uh, what happened in March, uh, because all uh, the changes were negotiated between the government. The organization, the non-profit making organization like us, and and the sex workers, and these were secret uh, meetings, and uh, these were the, the text was you know uh, uh, turning between the organization, sex workers, government, uh, sex worker organizations. It was. Uh, 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 a real work, and the, this is the only way it could be done. But somebody had uh, to to make it, and in the politics, well, you know, it's not my kind to always hit on the politics and say they're all uh, uh, stupid people. This is not uh, how I function, but. This is what a lot of people say uh, where we were probably in Europe and right. probably yeah. in the world. Yeah, <laughs> North America too. <laughs> well, uh, in this occasion, I can say uh, I saw how politics should work. And it works when it works like it should. Mm-hmm. Well, this, is, this sounds stupid, but... <laughs> Uh, it it worked like this, and they didn't only change uh, the law about prostitution. They took all the aspect of of the law that are about sex. They erased it and started zero. So wow, 
it's not only wow. the, the the rules uh, about prostitution that are changed. It's also the rules about rape. It's also the rules about uh, uh, under consent uh, uh, age. It's also the rules about sexual harassment. Everything now is wow. uh, very m uh, much more comprehensible because if you don't know, you just have right. to think about consent. For example, rape is not the very ugly definition it has. It it used to be because it was the, uh, the definition of rape was, you know, about insertion, about penetration, about uh, there was always oh, yeah. a way to rape that they didn't think about. Now, rape is any kind of intrusion into your intimacy without your consent. And so even if I start having a sexual intercourse with someone I met, even if at the beginning it's not right because there is a consent about what we are doing, if at any moment he or she decides that, no, this is finished, I, I don't consent to this, or I don't consent from now, from now it is a rape. And this is very easy to understand from, for, for everybody. And it is the same in, in sex work. A lot more is... Uh, about consent mm -hmm. which is so important and like I I'm so glad that everything else was overturned and just re uh, reimagined and rewritten um, in today's day and age too because oftentimes that can be forgotten so that's really really interesting and fascinating thank you so much for sharing that I also want to kind of ask you as well like because you also said the sex sex workers were also involved um it was kind of bouncing a bit back and forth between organizations, like incorporating sex workers' voices, politicians, and government. I'm just wondering how you were able to incorporate the voices of sex workers. Was that through organi organizations like SPSP? Or we are uh, speaking for ourselves. So we are not bringing the words or the speech of uh, sex workers, but there are sex workers organizations also in Belgium, and especially a very recent one that is called Utopie. Well, it sounds like Utopie, and uh, it's an organization of sex workers that is very new, and we prayed for such a thing to exist for 20 or 25 years because it sometimes happened and then it collapsed, mixing people in, in a community of interest, make a community from uh, sex workers is very difficult. Well, as it is for any, uh, any job, of course, yeah. if you want to make a community of uh, teachers, yes. what well, they don't have, they have several ones. And, uh, for the first time, a few years ago, uh, an organization called Utsopi is made for and by uh, the sex workers themselves. And it is a pleasure for us to see that it happened and that it lasts and that it is very well organized and um, 
it is now very easy. It's a lot more easy for us. For example, there is this tendency of uh, the the media, the press, uh, you know, the TV, the radio, the, the, the newspapers, when they want to know something about prostitution, all they're going to ask Espace because uh, they are the experts, they are the specialists. But we hate this this idea that we are specialists of sex work. We are specialists of our work and that's it. And uh, we, we always told them, if you want to know what sex workers think, go and ask them. Go and do the same job as we do yeah. and you will realize that there is not one sentences or uh, one there is not only one idea that comes from that comes from uh, the sex world uh, na- the, the sex work nation there is thousands of opinions and you have to to make your job to make a, th- a synthesis of what you heard and if you are uh, lazy enough to just ask, ask our opinion of social workers, well, you're not doing a good job. You're not doing information. You are just sparing yourself from meeting a reality that is very interesting and that is very much unknown from from you, the media, the press, and and from the the, the general public. And so we are so happy that Utsopi exists and now we can say when the government uh, tells us, well, we are writing a new text, a new law about prostitution, what do you think we, we should do? Well, we are going to tell what we think you should do and sex workers are going also to tell what they think you should do and maybe sometimes we don't have the same idea. And this is normal, and this is good. Yeah. And this is they, their work to choose. I mean, at the end, politics is a hard work because uh, they have to choose which politics they decide. And we are not going to decide for them. We will vote or not vote for them. But they have, at, uh, at the end of the day, they write the text. And after, we will fight or against the text. Well, this time we won't fight against the text. And, well, it, it is probably easier for us to say it is a good text because we see also that Utsopi, this organization of sex workers, uh, they are happy too with the text, the, with the, the new text of the law. So, we can see it, uh, it comforts us in the idea that, well, we think the same, but maybe we sometimes we don't think the same. I know a lot, I know a lot of sex workers right. who don't agree with the idea of decriminal, decriminalizing uh, sex work. I know a lot of them. Yes. And they think, <laughs> Well, if my daughter or my son is going to do the same job as me, I don't want uh, it to be too much easy. And, uh, well, some some sex workers are not happy with it. But I can say now, 
the government didn't just listen to us, they also listened to you through the organization that bring your voice to the, to the general public. Wow. Okay. That's this. Okay. This is like completely fascinating. And I'm, I'm so glad you're able to make that delineation too, that they really are trying to incorporate their voices in this conversation. Cause it is important. Cause a lot of the times no one talks to us, no one thinks about us. They, they go to all these organizations, but not actual, like not the actual sex workers. So Thank you so much for sharing the insight. Um, I know we're going crazy on time here, which is which is fine for me, but I'm concerned about your time too because it's really late in Belgium time. But um, maybe we can close off this portion in terms of, um, I mean, at the time of recording, it is the beginning of May. By the time this is released, I think it's going to be end of June, July. Um, I'm just curious to, to hear your opinion on how do you think this – new law will impact sex workers moving forward and like have you heard of any feedback from sex workers since but i know like right now it's hard to kind of say so it's just kind of opinion based. i can tell you that not much is going to change <laughs> or, uh, you, you you might say well uh, everything for 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 this but, but, well not much is going to change um but uh, there are now some further steps that can happen. And in the previous law, in the former law, we were always seeing a, a wall, a dead end in this law. And now we can think of steps forward. And the main thing that is going to change, this is not a, uh, uh, an opinion, this is the law. The main thing that is going to change is probably from uh, June or July, le, the, the, the sex work as an employee will be allowed. So if you see this from another point of view, it means some kind of Pimping is decriminalized, and uh, of course, uh, this is not. We are not um, uh, fighting for the right of the pimps. We are fighting for the right of the sex workers. But right. what happens now is a lot of yeah. sex workers are uh, also working as employee, and and as an as employee, they are not mentioned as. Uh, uh, the reality of their work. They are mentioned as a waitress or uh, communication hostess or whatever. And uh, this is not true. And right. of course, this is not, uh, uh, this doesn't open them the, the classical social protection that uh, a contract of employee gives to normally any employee because of one main reason if you make a contract as a prostitute was or as a sex worker whatever the name you give to it it is still not possible to go and sue your boss because he wouldn't give you for example your your holiday uh, money, um, uh, money or he doesn't give you uh, the, uh, 
the protection system when you are the health system when you are uh, pregnant or he uh, gives the money that right. you are supposed to give to the state when you are an employee uh, and, and so that you will get money when you are retired and um, all these social aspect of employment are just fake under the the system uh, these days because there is this old law that say uh, when the law is that we have a special name but i'm going to translate it with nowadays word when the law is not moral uh, sorry, sorry, when the contract uh, as an employee is not moral, uh, it is not applicable. So a judge uh, cannot um, listen to a prostitute because prostitute is not moral. Uh, and uh, Right. I did read about this, like this being that um, like sex workers currently, like their professions are not recognized. Um, they're not legitimized. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of consequences. And it is not recognized, um, and old concepts are still applicable to it. And this concept says it, it would be the same. For example, if I if I make a deal uh, with you uh, for you to give me one kilo of uh, cocaine uh, every every weekend. Uh, one weekend you don't give me the cocaine, I go to the judge and I say, look, I have a contract. Uh, she needs to give me one kilogram of cocaine every weekend and she did not. So uh, punish her and bring her to, to the jail. The judge will say, no, 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 no. This contract has no validity. Well, it is exactly the same, exactly the same when a a, a sex worker uh, is employed by a boss, the contract has no validity for the same reason. Even, even, even though the sex work is not a crime, is legal in a way, but the contract is not uh, legal. So a lot of um, sex workers want to work under the protection of an employee contract, but they are abused by the boss who, who, who pretend, uh, okay, all the social laws are, protect, uh, are protecting you right now, but if they are pregnant, if they want uh, to retire, if they want uh, to take uh, holidays, if they are sick and need uh, two months of uh, uh, um, uh, 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 to, to need to go two months in the hospital. They have no rights, no right. Now this is over. Now, in July or uh, June, a sex worker can go see the judge and say, look, my boss is not giving me my salary. Look, he doesn't allow me to choose my uh, client. doesn't... Uh, uh, pay the taxes so I, uh, so I receive money when I'm retired, then the judge uh, is going to defend uh, the sex worker. And this is the new thing uh, from the law. And 
probably another one yeah. and it is still not sure a hundred percent but we are communicating with authorities right right now probably soliciting in the street is no more a crime uh, as it used to be okay so there's potentially lots of progress i mean once it comes into effect hopefully by the time this is, this is out this will be yes yes law <laughs> hopefully but Quentin, we do have about five questions that came in from the audience, too, um, if you quickly want to go into these. Um, but they are complex questions, so we'll just see. I mean, I don't have anything after this, but I'm just mindful of your time and the time zone over there, too. Um, but maybe we can quickly go into this, and then, yeah, we can wrap it up after this. Okay, so the first question is, um, how do you think decriminalizing sex work will benefit Belgium as a whole? Well, I think there is a benefit is a for uh, <laughs> Belgium as a whole. Bringing citizenship, effective citizenship, to a population that was discriminated is a progress. It is empowerment of mm-hmm. sex worker. If you include a part of the nation that was stigmatized uh, and uh, taken apart from the, 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 the citizenship, the, the, the rules of the country, the heart of the country. Uh, if you bring them back uh, into the society, it is better for everyone. It is better for even people who have no contact with sex workers, it is better to live in a world where everybody has a place and a, and a job to do. I mean, yeah. a job, not a job to win money, but Absolutely. his role. Uh, it is better. Yeah, a purpose. There's another question came in from the same person. This is from Any, by the way. Shout out to Any. Um, will there be someone keeping track of how this change is going to impact sex workers and the country? <laughs> this is, I, I would say, is this necessary to, to keep a track when the goal is, I hope I understood correctly the question. Maybe I can reformulate what I understood. Um, what I question is, yeah, are, are we going to document the, the change? Is this the resume of, of the question? Uh, in that's a way, we yes, are document, documenting the changes through our um, job because everything we do is uh, written in a report that is official, that is returned to the government and through the government to the rest of the society. Uh, They are uh, readable by everybody. So yes, there is a a track, a trace that is going to be uh, kept from this this change. I, I would have loved that this question was addressed to those who for example, in France, decided 
to criminalize mm -hmm. the joint the, the, the clients because they said okay all right. these sex workers are victims all these sex workers are abused by the clients and so we are not going to uh, stigmatize them more but we are going finally to criminalize the, the client and they took the, the, the they uh, changed the law two or three years ago and they did not take a photograph of the system at the moment to see what happened before and after so it is absolutely lies yeah. when they say oh we have improved uh, because there is nothing to compare nothing to compare. they cannot say it and we yeah. know by our contacts with other organizations that violence increased a lot a lot against the sex workers but they can say the contrary because there is no track of this yeah. And so, yeah, there's no measurement um, tools there. Maybe I can say in the direct when the goal is really improving, well, the track, the the the, the report is not that much important. We know we are well. We know we are going in the right direction, uh, but of course, of course, maybe there are side effects that we don't know, and we are we we are going to be very. We are concerned uh, about this, and we are we'll keep an eye on this uh, every day on, on the uh, the possibility of side effects that we didn't think of. So yes, we'll keep tracks. I uh, hopefully we'll keep tracks. <laughs> yes. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> Um, I know we had, um, this is kind of like briefly covered, I think, in our discussion. Um, but if there's any other points you want to add in regards to this next question, that'd be great. If not, we can move on. But um, this next question is, what helped push the courts to vote in favor of... You know what? I don't know. I don't know. This is some kind of... Uh, I, I was astonished by... Uh, this mail we received from the government. This was so unexpected. We didn't imagine it could happen this way. We thought it would be line after line, uh, decade after decade, that we would change a word in the law and then uh, a decision after a few uh, would modify some aspect of the law. We this this is what has been happening uh, the, 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 during the last 20, 25 years. So we were not expecting this. And uh, I was really uh, impressed because, first, this is not common in uh, Belgian police, uh, politics. We are changing things little by little. We have no idea of revolutionizing any field of uh, the law in the society and uh, this is not how Belgian Belgium uh, and and also I felt the subject is too much touchy would you say that is too much touchy for 
uh, a politician to take the risk of his career on such questions. And, you know, I, I always said we have some figures in the politics and these figures are who voted for abortion rights, who voted for women's rights, who voted for homosexuals' rights. Who, these are individuals, we still know their names. Uh, I don't know the name of the people who write the, the, the driving code. This, the, the, nobody fought for this. But we, we still know the name of people who fought uh, against um, the, 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 the death penalty also. I know the name of all of them. And I thought these were, uh, this was a fight from other eras. And now nothing would change this way with uh, an individual, a politician who can who would take risk about touchy subject. And I must say, I, I, I'm not from the same, well, I, I'm not from a special party, but I would say I'm on the side, uh, in the politics, I'm on a certain side, and he's from the other side. So I cannot even say, well, um, I love him because he's from my side. He's not from my side. And, I, and I'm... I, I can only say, well, you you were the you were the right person at the right moment to do this, and of course it's not a revolution, of course, and I I, I think revolution don't happen this way, but it now changes the way people are thinking about sex workers' right, and now uh, more steps are possible, and they were not possible a year ago. And of course, years ago. Now they are possible. Right. I love that. I love that. And, you know, that's a great answer if you don't know. Like, you just don't even know where this came from. It just sounds like it was completely left field, but it is hopefully going to work. Mm -hmm. And I think it will work in our favor for the community. So um, we have another question here from a Canadian listener. That's from Ellie. Are there any lessons we in Canada can learn to achieve a similar decision? You know the politicians, yes. <laughs> you know everything that uh, the politician needs to know. You know what the society needs to be aware of. You are connected to the, the reality. So, uh, no, you won't have nothing to learn from this you, the politician will have to learn everything from this. And uh, the, the main thing I, I can say the politician uh, should learn is dialogue with uh, sex work is the, cent the, the point of equilibrium. If you are above this point, Mm -hmm. nothing can happen after yes you can change the things and this point of, equi of equilibrium is speaking inviting them to negotiation tables um, inviting them to convention thinking and well 
being conscious that they have things to say. They don't have one thing to say. They don't all have the same thing to say, but they have a lot of things to say, and it helps to be really connected to uh, what sex workers are organizing, are proposing to then write texts and um, make law that is uh, an empowerment for sex workers, but that is an empowerment for all the citizens, because sex workers is potentially everybody, anybody. It could be uh, the son or the daughter yeah. of the prime minister. It happens. It already happened. So it's not right. uh, uh, a part of uh, the society made of aliens. It's people like everybody other, like any other people. Exactly. That is, that's so well said because oftentimes I feel like sex workers were always othered all the time. We're in this box. They were separate from people. But no, we need to do a better job of incorporating our voices and, and allowing us and giving us a space to be heard and acknowledged. So, um, sorry, Quentin, there's just like one more question here, but we kind of already went over it at the at the end of the interview period. But um, this person is from Velvet. Um they are asking, what does this mean from here on out in terms of the decision, the decriminalization um, decision? I know we just kind of spoke about this before Q&A, but if there's anything else I need you to, to repeat add, the question because I'm not sure I understood it. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, so this person's asking, um, in terms of decriminalization, what does this mean from here out? On out? out this is the, the point I don't understand. Uh, um, I guess from here on out is like, from moving forward from this law, this bec this becoming ah, okay. law, where can we go uh, from oh, there? Uh, we, we know what is our next step. The next step is, you know, this was, uh, the change happened is penal code, so the crime code. Now we want uh, to attack the work code. So the, the there is many books in the law, I don't know how to explain this, but this is probably the same in every country. So there is uh, the, the penalty yes. code or the crime code, and this is what's changed. Now, if it is possible, and it is from, from now, it, if it is possible to work as an employee uh, in the sex work, then we are going to discuss sex workers union then we are going to discuss sex workers special rights for example you know as a, as a nurse if you make a mistake with a needle and hit yourself with a needle you have a lot of uh, health security that is uh, proposed to you for AIDS, from hepatitis, for well, and there are, there is a system that is connected to the fact that you are a nurse and you were exposed to a risk as uh, a nurse in your job. Now I want the same for the sex workers. Right. Well, AIDS 
or hepatitis or any kind of sexual transmitted disease for a sex worker will not be anymore the result of her sex life. It will be the, the result of her job, her or his job, sorry. And uh, right. this, is, uh, this is our next step. Now, okay, there is a possibility for, to, for uh, sex workers to, to be considered as workers. Let's do the rest. And there is a lot of things to do. So this is one step uh, further. There is a lot of steps further. The, uh, and, well, for example, uh, unions and, you know, in uh, we, we have uh, a big history in, uh, in Europe of uh, uh, workers' unions have some power. And they are... Right. Uh, they have things to do, to to say in the law. They have things to say in the government's decision, and uh, they are involved uh, in uh, in in many aspects of uh, the work law. And this is uh, what we want also to uh, to discuss. Uh, let's make a sex worker union with the same. Uh, power as any other wor- uh, unions of worker. Okay, yeah, this is really, really cool to hear. I'm, and I'm hoping, yeah, these will be next steps. I mean, in, in, in summary of your answer, um, you were, I guess, in, in the Canadian context, if this were to happen, um, you were tackling the criminal code, is what we have here in Canada. And then yes. next is kind of tackling the labor issue. Uh, because it definitely is a labor issue because sex workers work, right? So, gosh, this is such a packed episode, Quentin. I am so impressed with you. And I'm so glad we finally got to the, the, the opportunity to finally speak and just to hear your expertise on this matter because it's just exciting and just a huge, huge, huge decision. But before I let you go, where can we find out more about SPASP? Like, is there a website? Is there? A you, you can find us on SPASP.be, B-E for like Belgium. So E-S-P-A-C-E-P dot B-E. You can uh, look for us on Facebook, SPASP. And you can look for us on Instagram. Uh, we are going to have a multilingual website, which is still not uh, online right now. So now it's only in French. There is uh, some uh, pages in English, but uh, not enough. And um, we are making it uh, um, right now uh, in uh, five languages. So... Uh, it will be online probably by the end of July, so wow. you can find us there. And uh, of course, uh, we are um, diffusing, spreading uh, all the news uh, on what is happening with our contacts with the government and uh, with the law uh, that is uh, changing. And of course, we are uh, informing the sex workers through this uh, these uh, medias and um, so we we you can find us well through the classical uh, uh, the platforms 
Yes, absolutely. And all of those links are in the show notes below. So if you haven't gotten a chance to click on those links, uh, now's the time. Give them a like, give them a follow, reach out. You'll probably be speaking with uh, Quentin or one of his associates there at Espaspi. Um, for everyone else listening at home, um, it's stripped by Sia on all podcast platforms. So everything from Apple, where you can go ahead and um, give us a review if you really want to, maybe some great things. Um, you can rate it five stars on both Apple and Spotify. Um, that's just a really, really great way for discoverability so people can find the show. So you can, again, spread the word because we, we need to engage more in these conversations and people need to know more about our work. And everywhere else, uh, it's Stripped by Sia on Instagram, on Twitter, and also my Patreon as well, which is patreon.com slash strip by Sia if you wanted to help support the show. But that is all for this week. I am just so incredibly happy with how this episode is just turning out. I'm just just packed with information right now and I need to like decompress. But for everyone else listening, binge more episodes if you want. Uh, if not, you'll have to wait till next week for a break. Thank you so much, Steph, so for much this uh, very interesting uh, conversation. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. You're so welcome. Bye for now. You're listening to Stripped by Sia. Hosted, produced, and edited by Steph Sia. Music by Ted D. Graphic design by Maria Bellandarama. And photography by Ian Dabrin.